0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Anybody who watched the Kentucky Derby this weekend has every reason in the world to start reading more information because I made about six bets. I usually go with a couple of uh, status quo numbers based on the family and things like that. And then I actually try, I actually try to research. And put some things together, a couple of exactas, maybe a trifecta. I generally don't do the superfecta and try to pick four because that's kind of crazy talk. But I didn't have 21 anywhere in any kind of bet in any fashion. And I feel like if you did, you did your homework and you realized that this is just one of those horses you have to throw a dollar on because it's rare that we ever get an 81 to one odd horse at any point in time in the Kentucky Derby. I probably should have followed that advice. I didn't. Or you have some kind of investment in, in the number 21. You're, it's your kid's number, it's your kid's birthday, something. But man, the the monetary values coming out of the Kentucky Derby Saturday, uh, I mean, the Superfecta alone is just insane. It's insane. I have to say it out loud again. One A $1 bet on the Superfecta bagged you three hundred and twenty grand. It's just nuts. It's just crazy. Life-changing stuff with uh, a two-minute horse race, right? Certainly the athletic is where I went for my Kentucky Derby picks. And for the most part, they were spot on. You know, I, I read some really good verbiage about the favorites and how the favorites were really stall worse, but there should be some middling horses that made late charges. I just certainly didn't read about number 21 because he wasn't even in the race until about three hours before the race. So the point is I, I did get some good education and it's not just football. It's not just baseball. The athletic covers absolutely everything in full capacity. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track today. Download that app, get yourself 40% off and you'll have that kind of situation with really whatever sport you're looking to dive into. Theathletic.com slash spot track. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in my life and all of your lives. And, and how about the ones actually playing professional sports right now too? Because that's, uh, that's got to be one hell of a situation to get yourself into. And uh, we see some pretty big superstars being superheroes in that regard in women's sports. Big, big sports day. I did a tweet today with like 11 leagues that had multiple games for your viewing pleasure, starting with 18 baseball games. And I do want to focus on Major League Baseball for the Open here. And then quickly shift gears with Cousin Dan to part two of our NFL offseason series, a deep dive between Jacksonville all the way down to the Washington Commanders. Offseason moves, pickups, draft picks free agent signings, financial situations, extension candidates, possible trade candidates, you name it, Cousin Dan and I got into it team by team, the back half of the league today at the back end of this show. Major League Baseball, the big boys are winning. It's good for the game, especially early on in the season. That may change, right? A couple of these teams may falter down the stretch here. But if your team invested money and your team is in a major, major market, they're probably doing well right now. That's kind of the lay of the land, and and that's where I want to focus. Right, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Brewers, the Cardinals, uh, the Angels, the Astros, and, and then you got a couple of small teams like the Twins and the and the Cleveland Guardians, kind of holding their weight. And I, and I should throw the San Diego Padres in that conversation as well. The reason I rattled those names off specifically, I, I like to look at point at run differential at, at different junctures of the season because. The win percentage is kind of going to mesh together. Your win loss is going to be thrown off a little bit because especially April, May, there's so many rainouts and then so many double headers where things get skewed back way one way or the other. So I just like to look at how teams are winning these ball games and there's really no easier way to do that right now than run differential. I do this with basketball, with point differential, and honestly with the NFL, I've started to do that as well just as a surfacey way to assess the league. If we just look at that, and, and if you remember, Cousin Dan and I did a deep dive on this as well, team by team. Where did we think things were going to fall in terms of the actual major? I mean, the Dodgers were projected to 100 plus wins. I think the Mets were close. The Yankees were way up there in terms of the Zips projections and things like that, the Dakota rankings. So th- there were some teams that Dan and I didn't necessarily see coming that are right now are showing their face. And then there's teams that we said, I don't like them. But for some reason, they refuse to lose games at a big clip. And that's where this is, right? The run differential, it's the Dodgers all day. And by the way, it was last year. It's going to be forever. This team is that good. They might not be the the team with the most wins right now. You know, they've got their 18 and 7 playing Sunday Night Baseball as I record this piece here, probably 19 and 7 by the time of this, which puts them basically right with the Mets, right with the Yankees. So they're there. Their win percentage is 720. I don't know what more you want to ask for. Have you heard much about them? On the East Coast, nobody's really talking about them because they are that naturally good. They are that stacked. They're that good. They're just going to be right there at 90 plus wins come September 1st with a chance of getting over 100 yet again. But the run differential is plus 68 right now. It's far and away. Here's your top three. Dodgers plus 68. Yankees plus 50. And then we got a two-way tie between the Mets and the Brewers, plus 36. And that sounds about right. The, the surprise to me is the Yankees, because I had Lindsey Adler on. We talked to Cousin Dan about it. The, the, the way that they manufactured this team this year was fine. I actually applauded it. I think going via trade versus trying to sign some major free agents is probably the right move for most of these organizations. If you have the chips... Bring in a veteran right now that is 100% yours on a truncated contract. That's what acquiring via trade generally gets you, right? When you're starting scratching free agency, you're putting out major, major years in terms in terms of the contract. So I like the approach that the Yankees took. I just didn't think they had enough. I didn't think the names that they brought in were going to gel this quickly. And I certainly didn't think they had the starting pitching. I've been proved wrong on both accounts. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They're plus 50 run differential. They're winning ball games home and away. They're doing everything that they need to do right now to be atop that AFC East. And uh, and there's really nothing more to say about that. So will that continue? If they're healthy, why wouldn't it? They're only going to get better, in my opinion, because this is, like I said, there's a lot of new faces in that lineup right now. I think having the DH is certainly a big a big deal. And that won't change when they go play some National League teams for the first time. So... I do think they have a really good chance here if, if they stay healthy. And Aaron Judge is playing like a guy that was offered 200 and wants $300. let us put it that way. That's, that's, uh, that's always fun when you get a guy like that who is uh, attempting to Joe Flacco himself, right? If they win the World Series and he's a major factor and has been so far, whatever X was in terms of that original offer, it's now X plus X. So that's where the Yankees kind of stand right now early on in the season. We know how much the Mets invested. We know how much the Dodgers have invested over the past two years. And the Brewers are kind of that team that does have a couple of decent contracts on it, you know, middle of the road payroll, but have A, struck gold internally with their pitching staff. So their starting pitchers are almost all homegrown and they're phenomenal. And then just started to connect the dots with trades. They traded with Tampa, they traded with the Dodgers. They traded some really smart teams and built up a core, at least a good starting nine that should really carry them through. And I've been really up on this team for the past three years, but this was the year specifically where I thought they take the step forward. They're legitimate National League contenders. And that is what we're seeing. So as much attention as the Mets have given, have been given, and certainly from me as a a diehard fan, the Brewers are literally a carbon copy of the Mets right now. Now, that Mets pitching staff is certainly not homegrown anymore. They've let most of those players walk with the exception of DeGrom, who's not even active right now. You know, Scherzer's acquired via free agency, Chris Bassett via trade, T1 Walker via free agency, pretty much all the way down. Carrasco via trade, and then there's a couple of homegrown kids trying to trying to compete for that fifth spot. So that's different, right? The this the last iteration of the Mets was a homegrown starting rotation where they try to fill in free agents around them. So the Mets are a, basically a a version above where the Brewers are now. They've gone through their their big starting pitcher explosion and are now trying to piece that part of it together with some younger bats. And uh, it's worked. There's no question it's worked. And Alonzo is having an Alonzo-type year. And and for the most part on the Brewers, Yelich is having that kind of year. Willie Adamas is having that kind of year. A neck-and-neck neck team, in my opinion. The, the last two teams I want to talk about are this. Uh, the Twins were an absolute bag of garbage for Cousin Dan and I in the preview. We didn't understand the Correa signing. It felt like putting a name on a roster to put butts in seats versus putting a name on a roster that can really be the guy to push you over the edge. Cray has been good. I think his presence there has been more impactful than his actual production. And sometimes that's all you need, especially in a marathon season like Major League Baseball. But Buxton is an MVP candidate. Again, he did this last year before the injury. Knock on wood, he does have a, a bit of a tweak right now. If he can keep this thing going for 75% of the season, he's a legitimate MVP candidate in the American League. They brought up two of their stud prospects in in Miranda and Royce Lewis, who just getting their reps right now is positive for them. And they've got, look, a couple of of former Yankees and Sanchez and Rochelle. They've got some veteran arms. You know, letting Jose Barros walk was a a mistake in my opinion, but they have tried to patch it together with, with cheaper contracts. And they're 18 and 11, sitting atop the AL Central with a plus 25 differential, fourth in Major League Baseball right now. So I can't argue that. Yeah, it's May 8th, but I can't argue this shotgun start for them because even if they do slip a little bit, and and the Buxton injury would certainly allude to that, they've already shown and have the confidence now internally to know that they can compete. The White Sox have been a complete disappointment with injuries as the major uh, faux pas for that. And Cleveland is Cleveland, but there's a big ceiling on the Guardians. You know, they're going to win maybe one out of every three for the rest of this year. They're a 500 team right now. That's probably about right. I think Cousin Dan had them about 85-ish, 89 at a max, with 90 probably being what you need to, to do damage in that American League. So all the Twins have to do is keep pace with Cleveland and Chicago once they get healthy, and they'll be a real factor in this American League Central. So that's certainly one of the teams to watch. And the final team to talk about is, are the Angels because I think this is for the third year in a row. This is Dan and I basically saying, we are pleading for this team to figure it out. They've, got, they've had their star in Trout. They signed a star in Rendon who basically went down the year he got there. They've been patching together, starting rotation forever. And then Otani dropped on that roster and you could just feel things change. And last year was more about him than anything else. Trout was injured for a ton of the year. The pitching staff, again, didn't hold up. It, be, it became a one-man team versus a team that has multiple superstars. that they, they can start to really build a culture and a core and a, and a successful winning streak around. And that's what we have this year. This is a real thing. They're 19 and 11. They're plus 27 differential. Atani has had elite nights and above-average nights. He hasn't had a clunker yet. And Trout's an MVP candidate, maybe top two right now in the American League. Everything we wanted from the Angels is happening right now, and I'm knocking on wood again because that's just damn good for baseball. Whether whoever you root for, I don't care if you're an Astros fan and you're sitting there, you know, a half game behind the Angels in the standings, watching the Angels and having the Angels relevant and good is so good for the game, and makes your game better, right? If it's Astros v. Angels, that's becoming now a rivalry, and that's going to be a game to watch all year long now because those are clearly the two teams in that division, the Mariners are a bit, you know, slipping in pace a little bit. But uh, they're ter- certainly turning the corner as well. But the fact that the Angels are above average and relevant and now have three or four guys putting it together at the same time and some real arms, right? Syndergaard is a real arm for this roster. It, just keep them healthy and keep this thing rolling because we need this in October. Yank, Angels, Dodgers, Mets, Giants, Padres, Astros, that's must-see baseball. So it's a really good first uh, month or so, month and a half or so, for this Major League Baseball system pumping through. It's a pay-to-play year. Year. If you paid this offseason, with the exception of the Texas Rangers, who we knew this was going to take at least a year to gel, it has gone well for you. So, you oh, know, by the way, those Tampa Bay Rays, 18 and 11, plus 15 differential, one of the lowest payrolls yet again. And uh, they just don't go away. They just don't go away. You can forget about them, and most people will for the next four months. But Boston's dead last. Baltimore's right there with them. Toronto's kind of a middling team, hasn't, haven't really found their legs yet. Tampa Bay is right where they are, always are. Two and a half behind the Yankees, who are overachieving, in my opinion. And they're not going away. So Tampa Bay, another 90-win year, looks like. And they will be right there in the end of it. Let's talk some football with Cousin Dan. But first, Dynasty Fantasy Football time, folks. It's not just time for teams to be building out their 90-man rosters. It's also time for you to be thinking about your current Dynasty Fantasy Football roster and where it's going and where these new rookies are going to fall into place and who you should be trading. And if you're in a salary cap league like Dynasty Owner, real NFL salaries, they use the average salary. Uh, so a rookie contract is a rookie contract versus Tyree Killett, $30 million a year now. Uh, those are the decisions you have to make on Dynasty Honor. Right is is there really a dynasty league where Tyreek Hill at thirty million a year is worth his draft? Is worth keeping him on the roster in a salary cap system like you have with dynasty? On rights, it's, it's got to be a conversation so many people are having right now in this kind of world, in, in this space, because you know Justin Jefferson is seven million, eight million. That's the difference between maybe the number one receiver production wise and the number two to five receiver production wise. 23 to 24 million dollars in terms of your average salary on your salary cap that's a big chunk of change for a wide receiver that you probably need four to five of on a weekly basis to keep up points wise in a fantasy setting so this is this is not easy stuff and these guys have built a hell of a system it's complex it's fun it's flexible like i said real salaries you can play for money you can do it just for fun Um, Maybe you start the first year just doing it for fun, figure it out, kind of figure out the loopholes, the nuances, but it is a true business of football game. There's a great app. There's a great website. You won't have any trouble keeping up with this thing. And the documentation is good. These guys are real receptive. I've I've been on their show. I've had them on, talked to them a little bit. They're real receptive with uh, updates, questions, keeping this thing moving, improving and evolving their product. It's just a the, the perfect system for for something new, something different, and honestly, something complex in the fantasy football space. Visit DynastyOwner.com today. Check it out. Read the language. Reach out to these guys if you have questions and uh, sign up today. It's DynastyOwner.com. All right, Dan, part two. There's some interesting teams in the second half, though, starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who did you anticipate this kind of offseason from them? Or did you think it was going to be, look, they just went through hell with their coaching staff. It, it's kind of a, a total rebuild on the fly here for an already bad team. Did you expect them to be the big spenders? Because this is the number three off-season spending team in football and now the number five cash payroll in football.
1: Um. No, I mean, to answer that simply, <laughs> I didn't really see that working out like that. But I also don't... I, I think the Urban Meyer experiment made that that roster look way worse than yep. it actually is and um, the etn so injury I, too yeah, absolutely. so I think there's going to be some regression back to them being better than they were last year in a in in their full season under doug Doug Peterson who I, I know you had mentioned on a recent pod that um you you think that they're likely to rebound too is that right the
0: the he's the best possible fit right now because he has an an actual system that has been used for years and years and years that now they drafted based on it. Now they signed free agent based on, you know what I mean? Like the, it, it, he's the perfect kind of coach to drop in and say, let's do this right now. We don't have to wait two years anymore. We've already got our dead cap off the system. We're ready to go. So I, I do think that they are primed for a quick rebuild because of him specifically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, I mean, with that in mind, I mean, he he has history with, you know, yeah. being good with quarterbacks and stuff like that. I, I like this as, you know, I like them to kind of play over their heads a bit here.
0: He's a big, small quarterback guy, which Lawrence is. He's a big running back guy, and he's got two damn good ones in Robinson and ETN, playmakers too. And he's a big tight end guy, as you know. And they signed Evan Engram out a one year kind of showcase. I'm expecting all of that to work out. <laughs> I'm expecting a big step forward, not exactly a Bengals step forward quite yet. But, you know, maybe a Herbert step forward, right? A, a Chargers getting themselves in the conversation type step forward. It's it's a tough AFC. So I'm not, I don't have legit expectations, but this is a plus 700 team right now for the AFC South. 12 months ago, this is a plus 1500 team, right? I mean, this is, the, Vegas is reading this these tea leaves as well. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, we talked about it last time. The, the division is not overwhelming by any means. Yeah. So you could, you could certainly see them kind of put it together. Um, the Christian Kirk deal is, I mean, that's probably going to look egregious to a certain extent, but I really don't have a problem with them putting, um, a receiver that they think, you know, is going to be a nice supporting cast for, um, for the young quarterback there. So I, I, what are you going to do? Like, not to put you on the spot here, but what are you going to do with, with comps on that going forward? Are you just going to axe that contract out or is that going to,
0: the Christian Kirk uh, one? It's yeah, just I mean, not that, as bad as if you take away the average salary, it's just not scary. It's two for thirty-seven. You know, I know it's a five-year deal, and and even two for thirty-seven is eighteen million a year. But look, that's that's lower second tier of wide receiver pay now. I mean, the big boys are, are at thirty, so it just doesn't scare me. It's it's to me, it's more about the player and less about the money. Is he a real WR one? Is the question. I'm not even sure he's better than DJ Shark, who they just let walk for one to ten. You know what I mean? Like. I, I'm just not sure he's that big of an upgrade at that specific spot, but uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to make guys better. There's no question about that. I, the contract doesn't scare me as much as I think the mass media has, has led, led it to believe it should. It's just not that bad anymore.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: All right. Kansas city speaking of good with some drop off here, right? Speaking of speaking of getting rid of some players, Tyree kill out MVS in Tyron Matthew out, Justin Reed in your thoughts there because uh, I'm nervous in that situation for both, for both the the secondary and the receiving core. They better pull some strings up with those wide receivers because they're really going to start to piece some things together here.
1: Yes, I, I agree with all of that. Um, honestly, I really don't know. I I don't really know what to add there. I mean,
0: Are, are you an MBS they, they probably, guy? <laughs>
1: I I will certainly not put my name on that, but I, I mean, I think it could work out there for sure. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, he, he also just came from Aaron Rodgers too. You know, it's not like he he came from a scrub quarterback and we were always wanting more, you know, he never really had any kind of consistency there, but at the same time, you know.
0: Dan, why would he leave Green Bay or why would Green Bay let him leave? The the, Green Uh Bay and Kansas city are so closely attached right now uh, for a lot of reasons why would Green Bay let him walk if he can be a Tyreek Hill type player, which is what Kansas city has just defined him as
1: it's, it's just gotta be the money, right? They, did they not want to invest there? But I like that contract wasn't mind blowing.
0: No, no. To me, this is Green Bay saying you, you try to figure it out. (laughs) Uh, Hardman's fine. I think the juju signing is excellent. Excellent for for Patrick Mahomes if he's healthy I think that's going to be a, a crazy undervalue in terms of the contract. We know the offensive line is ready, the defensive line basically stayed intact including Frank Clark. Justin Reefer, for Tyron Matthew might be a problem and they're in a burner division now, a crazy burner division. So I do think there's a bit of a step back, but this is still a perennial contender, correct?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Are, yeah I mean rightfully so the AFC
0: it's... West favorite in your opinion?
1: Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean I do think the chargers are like right on their heels though. And, and this could be a year that hmm. if, if that KC offense takes a step back that they might get your pass. So if you're, if if you're looking for like a early season, like sneaky bet, I, I wouldn't mind putting some money on the chargers right now before they kind of gain some steam.
0: Okay. I, I will say this out loud too. They had a phenomenal draft Kansas city as usual. So where they may have missed in a couple of free agent signings. And I think they have, They're going to be right there with some youngsters if those kids can play. Let's go to Vegas. Super intriguing offseason. Signed Max Crosby. Signed Chandler Jones. Signed Derek Carr. Acquired and signed Devontae Adams. Big, big, big spenders this offseason. The number one spenders in all of football. 457 million in total value contracts. They're now the eighth cash payroll in football. They're here. They're in. I mean, they're all in. Chips are in in Vegas. And by the way, brand new GM, brand new coach. Just your thoughts, because again, this is a little jacksonville where they're dropping Josh McDaniels into the system, a system I think he knows exactly what he needs, and they're just spending all of it in year one.
1: I wish we got a chance to see this team play in a different division, because I I know you're higher on them than than a lot of people I listen to. And in the Derek Carr situation specifically, I know you've been... Kind of, like for almost years now, right? And saying like, listen, he's not that bad of a quarterback. And when you pay him what he's going to get paid, um, it, it actually creates a little value there. So, I I like this team. I I think it's you know it's a it's a tough tough. Division, yeah, they're going to get so right? Yeah. So I don't have a lot of high expectations, but I do think it's you know they're not in purgatory. That's for sure. They're they're at least making
0: improvements. Well, how about this? I just kind of referenced that they're right. uh, a rich man's Jacksonville, same, same division odds. (laughs) Jacksonville's plus 700 in the AFC South Vegas is plus 700 in the AFC West. So I think two different scenarios. I think Vegas is clearly better at least on paper right now. And they have been better over the past couple of years. But to your point, I think that's, that's, there's a reason those odds are there. And it's, there's a three semi, you know, tractor trailers standing in front of them right now in that division. But Devonta Adams has made a lot of things easier. Where in the past for Aaron Rodgers, and there's no reason to believe he won't be that player. And there's some nice players around him. Darren Waller is undervalued every single week, and not for nothing, they use two post June first releases that will free up almost 20 million in about a month or so. And you can say, well, you know, everybody's gone. That's not really the case. You know, we're going to have some camp releases. We're going to have some players move around a little bit. There will be some trades, and they can get involved again. So. They will be freeing up some assets, maybe not even for this year, Dan, that can be rollover assets for next year when the cap rises even more. And they realize they have two or three holes still to really be real contenders in that division. So you're right. Maybe it's not a 2022 scenario for them. But this is a team I'd be looking at over the next 18 to 24 months as legitimate AFC West contenders, if not even more so because of what they've done this year. And McDaniels has a lot to prove. There's no question. Let's get to your chargers. You're obviously high on them. I'm high on them every year and they kill me by August 1st every year. Every year. There's three or or four major injuries or coaching decisions or whatever the hell it is that puts a a log jam in in this team season. It feels like 10 years in a row this has been the case. Why is this year different? Because they're paying. They haven't paid Herbert yet. That's going to happen next offseason. Why is this year specifically different, Dan?
1: (laughs) I guess I don't. <laughs> I'm not confident it goes different because we've been burned by it so much. But um, I mean, th- they've had like an unprecedented um, injury yeah. I- issues. I-, I think that regresses towards normal a little bit. Seems like in the past, every time they add somebody, um, like may- make a ma- major addition on either side of the ball, that's kind of negated by uh, an injury almost simultaneously. So um, I think they're loaded on offense. They have a good defense. I really like the coach besides, um, you know, the The national rhetoric that he's maybe a little bit too in the weeds on analytics, but I, I tend to think that that's at least on the right side of that, so um I, I just like the situation a lot and um if if teams want to sleep on them again, very very tough division. so they could easily they're you know they're not far from <clears throat> doing worse than we expect, but yeah, I like them quite a bit
0: i do too i'm I'm gonna fall for the bait again um. Uh... I think the coach can learn from last year and will, smart guy, smart regime. Uh, they made some, some mistakes that honestly kept them out of the post. I, I mean, big, big mistakes in that regard. So I thought the free agent signing of J.C. Jackson is the way to go. This team is on a rookie quarterback situation. Sign big players, sign Mike Williams. That, that contract shouldn't scare anybody. J.C. Jackson's contract is two, maybe three years at the most, let's be fair about it. I think they got huge potential value in Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller in the middle of that draft. They can now basically move on from Eckler next year for almost nothing. It's, I I just like every, every move they've made, you know, and Herbert is Herbert. So why wouldn't they be this year's Bengals where they take a great quarterback? They finally added the right weapons and they push this thing to the finish line. I'm in, I'm in on the chargers more so than the chiefs right now. I've got them ahead of the chiefs in this division. Just kind of eyeball test in terms of the off season paperwork. I assume we're all in on the Rams. Why would, we, why would we think any otherwise? Do you think... I guess I'll put it this way. Robert Woods and OBJ, we think out. Allen Robinson in. Vaughn Miller out. Bobby Wagner in. Darius Williams, cornerback out. They bring back Troy Hill from Cleveland for basically a seventh round pick. Is that a shakeup that we should be concerned about? Or do you think that they've properly filled all those holes?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think they're all one for one um, replacements by any means, but I do think that they're they're comparable and yeah. they're, you know, I, I, it's not like you're going to see a major step back because of that I mean, Alan Robinson underrated and I, I think he could have a major season there. So, um, you know, and then the Von Miller trade off that like that, <laughs> they lose Von Miller one day and get Bobby Wagner the next day. That That's a that, you know, comparable there as well. So, yeah, I, I don't really have any holes
0: to poke here is the fact that they won last year. Does that make you not want to bet them this year?
1: I'll probably be hesitant early on just because they're going to be so high. They're so high in the odds here, but, um, yeah, plus
0: 1100 fourth best. I think Vegas has already corrected for, you know, the, the how tough it is to go back to back.
1: Then yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I do like
0: that. <laughs> yeah. To me the, the left tackle situation scares me. Andrew Whitworth was a monster. Kind of a freak of nature for his age. They're they're throwing you know Joseph Noteboom in that spot. They gave him a nice a nice little bridge contract. That one scares me a little bit. And and honestly, actually, there's two holes in that offensive line that they've had to fill here. So keeping Stafford up and healthy is a big deal. It's a big part of this. They're going to run the ball though too. I mean, they had major running back injuries all year, even through the postseason. If that gets turned around and fixed at least for you know three quarters of this regular season, they're going to be just fine out there. And the teams around them are kind of in flux as it is. So. They're, they're a walk into the postseason team for me. No question about it. <clears throat> Speaking of teams that pushed. I don't know if we saw this coming from Miami. I think I think, I think, think if we would have pulled the people around us, Dan, on December 31st, would Miami have been t- taking a step back or going a big step forward for, in this offseason with the Tua situation?
1: Uh, probably backwards, if anything, right? I mean, they... Yeah,
0: Buffalo was so hot.
1: Yeah, and they just sort of seem directionless. But the new coach, everything, the turnover there—it seems like um, they at least have a plan in place. Um, if two is the guy, not sure yet. That'll that that'll be determined this year. But I th- I think they're going to put him in a situation to he either proves himself or they're going to move on next year, right?
0: I don't even think it waits till next year. I, oh, I, okay. I think it's six weeks, and if he's still you know kind of floating through it, Teddy Bridgewater's team. Right now, let's go. You don't sign Teddy Bridgewater just to sit there and mentor. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. Yeah, good point. He's gonna play. He's I mean, this team is is ready to roll, and Bridgewater has taken teams like this to the playoffs. So, I uh, I think what they did is phenomenal. They're the sixth highest cash payroll. Obviously, they had a huge offseason. Number two spenders offseason wise, just over four hundred and fifty million total value. You know, there's a couple of holes they can fill during this camp. I think, uh, you know, an interior uh, offensive lineman, a center guard, kind of swing player and outside of that, it's just, did they put too many eggs in one basket? We've seen teams try to go and build a super team in one se- one off season like this. And it very rarely works. Um, generally when you're doing that, you're bringing in a quarterback and then you're quickly building around him. It's been the Brady, it's been the Stafford, it's been the Peyton Manning, you know, situations like that. This is adding around a player. They're not sure is the guy at the quarterback position. So I'm not super confident. And by the way, Buffalo is still Buffalo. And, you know, the Jets certainly got better. I'm not sure where New England falls. We'll talk about them in a second. But at the other time, they're also in a, in a conference, this AFC, where we, we can't find holes in many of these teams in the AFC. So in that regard, is it somewhat reckless? Do you do you, are, do you have faith in this Miami team? Do you think that this is just reckless spending? Or is this probably all, the only option they really had here, Dan? I don't
1: want to say it's reckless spending. I think they're pre- they've pretty clearly position themselves as the number two team in this division at the moment. I mean, the jets are up and coming, had a nice draft offense, emerging all those points that we've uh, sort of alluded to earlier, but um, yeah, I don't have a problem with them kind of going for it now.
0: I'm taking the under, (laughs) I'm going to put put it that way, Minnesota. um, Boy, this was a team. I had a couple of uh, Minnesota people on early in the off season because I I just didn't know where this was going. Was it going to be Kirk out? Was it going to be, let's just stand pat and get through this Kirk contract? He was on an expiring deal at the time. Or I guess was it, let's push forward and continue on? And that's what they did. They extended Kirk one year. They added pieces. They did trade some players and and, and kind of move on for some other older players. And they still may do that. But this is not a team that is sitting back or building, ripping off and going backwards. They're they're at least vying for the NFC North and uh, at least a wild card contender at this point. Do you have them characterized that way? I know you generally uh, they, don't like this team.
1: Well, they just feel old to me. Yeah. You know? I, I well, played out, I right? We've seen it before. Like, what are they going to? Is it going to be more of the same? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what to do with them. Quite honestly, the division. I, obviously, the, this division is Green Bay's to lose for this year, but.
0: And that was a big part of it too. I think they were waiting on their you I know, mean, with their hands under their asses to see if Green Bay was going to blow it up, and certainly they didn't. So,
1: so I don't, I I don't particularly love this team, but um, I could be talked into it.
0: Fair. They didn't get markedly better. I mean, they got sort of better. Zayarius Smith is a nice signing. Harrison Phillips is a nice signing, and they did draft well uh, in terms of the secondary, which was their biggest bugaboo last year. The office is going to score points. There's no question about it. I mean, Jefferson Teal and Delvin Cook and cousins with his arm, they're going to score points. So I'm okay with it. I just think they're overvalued right now at plus 300 for that division. And they're going to be fighting for middle of the road. That's just how I see them. And that's fine. Speaking of which, I feel the exact same way about new England. I think they're overvalued. They're tied with Miami right now in terms of odds for the AFC East, which is fine. No big deal. But, I'm just not ready to say Mac Jones is the guy. Is that incorrect? I mean, he's a system guy that works in New England, but I'm not sure he's gifted enough to be the guy long-term. And and I need to see a hell of a lot more because he really slid back at the end of that year last year.
1: Me too, me too. I think they're going to... That organization knows it, it runs through a quarterback, so they'll constantly be, constantly be looking. I feel like they they probably just didn't have an opportunity to upgrade there this year. Um, also, on the heels of spending a first round pick last year on the position, um they they probably want to give him one more year of development to at least see what they have um after adding some pieces around him too. So, yeah, I think they're overvalued. I mean, as I just said, I think Miami's pretty clearly the, the second best team there, so if they're they're they have the same odds, i'm gonna side on them take the Miami side there,
0: yeah, and they're bolstering the running back core, which <laughs> Is always a good sign in New England that the quarterback isn't going to have a huge role. You know, they did bring in Devontae Parker. That's an upgrade. There's no question about that because, you know, Nelson Aguero, Kendrick Bourne, they're not going to get the job done. There's at least four to five guys there now and, and four to five running backs as well. So and certainly the tight ends should have good seasons. There's no question about that. So they are a stable team is how we would characterize them, but nothing to write home about just yet losing jc jackson and replacing him with terrence mitchell is not an answer in my opinion that's a, that's a typical new england situation um we're not we're not going to pay unless it's an absolute slam dunk and they're just they're middle of the road this is where they live they're 27th in cash right now at the bottom, nearly the bottom of the league after having a huge off season last year I, to me they they're playing like a small market team and i think that's exactly what they're going to look like by the end of december so i'm just not Super high on them, but Mac Jones can certainly go out there and prove me wrong week by week. How do you read the New Orleans Saints? (laughs) I mean, talk about a roller coaster. Coach out. They didn't sign a quarterback until like a week and a half ago because they were in on Deshaun Watson. I think they I think they had very good intel that they were going to win the Watson situation. To me, that's how I read it, because a lot of things were waiting for that decision to be made. And then when the actual decision went to Cleveland, a hell of a lot of things happened that felt like it was Totally shifting gears, and but now, if you look at this roster, it doesn't scream awful. I mean, they're the, they number two favorites in the NFC South, which isn't saying too much with that that division. But they're kind of exactly where they were last year. You know, new coach, internal coach, the number three cash payroll, and that's without Tyron Matthew under the fold yet. I've got to get that contract in still. So. They they kind of quickly changed gears and invested big via draft via free agency with kind of without us you know looking. Have they ever tried to hit the pause button? And, uh, <laughs> Good I mean, question. Like, it, this is every
1: year they they put their foot on the gas right and they just figure out the cap situation every year. But at, is it ever going to catch up? You know that?
0: what? It's an excellent point because honestly, Drew Brees always waited to the very last second to sign his extensions. Like like he would become a free agent technically almost every single time and then he'd sign his contract it's just nuts they they always run it up against the line and this is just i guess another example you're right i'm complaining about nothing here let's complain about the chris olave situation was that just a ridiculous waste of draft picks
1: i didn't i didn't love the move but if that's the guy they identified they had to have you know get your guy but wow i, I that was a bit of a shocker to me
0: yeah and they're starting a rookie left tackle so <laughs> there's reasons to be uh you know concerned this is maybe not the year for New Orleans, but they are set up for you know a two to three year window here again, if Jameis can be Jameis. And I do think he, he has looked good in this offense. He just, can he stay healthy? And obviously, can he not be, make too many bonehead plays? But they're, uh, they're financially invested. Let's put it that way. They are not sitting back their, uh, on their haunches and kind of letting the division around them get better. So they're invested. So I have no reason to believe that they shouldn't be must-see TV this year as well. Are the Giants too invested, knowing that they have Daniel Jones this year?
1: Um, In terms of like, did they go for it when they don't think he's a long term answer? Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, they really kind of added a couple more here. They're they're going to—I do believe—they're going to strip down a little bit more by the end of this summer. James Bradbury, maybe literally as we're talking right now, could be being released. Uh, And look, this is the 30th cash payroll in football, so they're kind of at the back end of some bad contracts still. Versus they're not signing a ton of new players to major contracts. So it does kind of align with where the quarterback position is going, but where is this team in six months? You know, like is this going to be a total rip off the bandaid situation with Daniel Jones? Or do you think they're at least building some sort of core that can easily drop a new quarterback in and go, how do you feel about the giants right now?
1: I'm sort of excited. If, that's the right word to see Brian Dable get his hands on Daniel Jones. You know, I like, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to emerge into like a top 10 quarterback by any means, but I think, I think the bones are there that he could put together a productive season in the right situation, right? Um, yeah. But I don't think they're in love with him long term. So I, I, I sort of just poo pooed my point there, if you will. But um, no, it's, it's
0: totally fine because you're, they had options to move on from Daniel Jones this year. I mean, there were plenty of veteran options to bring in, and they didn't do it. They they wanted this look at Daniel Jones, so I think they're thinking like you're thinking, and and Brian Dable has done this with a couple of quarterbacks now. So why why not Daniel Jones?
1: Right, and the Tony situation, the Canarius Tony situation, is a little bit puzzling to me. That like the minute they that regime got into town, there were rumors that they wanted him gone. I mean, what do you what do you what do you think about that? I mean, like just I, I was thinking about this the other day, and like if the Chiefs could get their hands on Kadarius Tony, could you imagine? Could you imagine that?
0: Well, I do think the Packers would do it first, but yes, um, there's a. He's kind of staying away from the organization right now. I have no idea if it's a rift with the Giants or if it's just he just doesn't want to be around football right now. We've seen that happen quite a bit. So uh, fair. I I, didn't realize I, I don't know the extent of why he's doing it, but it may not be a dable, you know, Joe Shane situation. It may be more than that. And that's why I think he's not on the trade block. He he's not really being talked about with other teams. It's just this guy's got to figure some things out, and then maybe he comes back into the fold. But you know, Galladay's got to take a step forward. I don't know what they do with the. Re- there's like nine wide receivers every year in this roster, and we we end up hating all of them by the end of the year. So I, there's just a lot of uh, incompletes right now. But I do think they have a core. They they drafted really well in terms of the offensive and defensive lines. So and that you know that's where I love teams to start. So. If they're starting to you know, build those trenches out properly, then they're just going to be a year or two away from figuring some things out in terms of success. And if that's Daniel Jones or if that's, I don't know, Kirk Cousins next year, whatever the hell it's going to be, right? Uh, I don't think it matters so much. They seem to be trending upward, and that's, that's, the good, that's the good news. Same for the Jets. Is this not the exact same conversation, although maybe one year later? Or actually one year earlier, right? There's still a lot of faith in Zach Wilson. And that is what this offseason was about. It was about putting studs on both sides of the ball onto this roster, kind of building some sex appeal. And now they just have to hope that Zach Wilson's a player. Dan is Zach Wilson a player.
1: I am not qualified to make that call, <laughs> but um, I, I, I like that they're at least doing this. Yeah. I mean, you spent the draft capital last year. You can't just pull the rug out from under him after one year um, when he, he didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible. So, um, I think he's in a situation to succeed. I think they could be a little bit of a sleeper team here co- going forward, but, um, I don't know if Zach Wilson is the guy. I just like the situation there.
0: I do too. And I'm so glad that this was not a quarterback draft for them and that they got to make those three picks in the positions that they, sh- that they made them and should have made them. You know what I mean? Like they weren't goaded or, or, or baited into making any kind of bad move. They just took the picks they should have taken they're in the middle of the road in payroll. They're, they're just, I think they're exactly where they need to be right now in this situation. And to your point with Wilson last year, I think that's exactly what he needed to do is kind of clean out some of the cobwebs. You're going to look bad when you're figuring some things out on a bad team, which is what, what he is. And he did, I think he showed enough good to say this could be a really fun year for this kid. So I'm in, I I think they're, they're playing their cards properly. I have a lot of faith in Joe Douglas. I, I know I probably shouldn't, but I do. And the San Francisco tree of coaches slash uh, coordinators, it's a big year for them, right? I mean, Robert Sala, you know, we talked Miami already, and they're kind of like a mini San Francisco now out there. Uh, it's a big year for for current and past previous San Francisco coaches. So I like where the Jets and Dolphins are both heading now in that regard. Philadelphia is just fun. They just... they similar to the saints, they refuse to go all the way backwards, even though, you know, some of their players are just completely dead to rights. This offense, I kind of asked you haphazardly last week, is Jalen hurts set up for just a monster year. And and we're just not ready to say that out loud yet.
1: I think if he can take a step forward in the passing game, I think, yes. Um, I don't think he can just rely on his legs. Um, going forward, but they have put the pieces around him. They they have a really nice offense in place. Um, I do like it. I like him quite a bit as like a, as a sleeper pick this year.
0: Is he an MVP candidate? Hmm.
1: Not a favorite by any means, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that call. I yeah, do too. I, li- I, I like that call at the moment. Yep.
0: I think they're in a division where they can cook in the NFC East right now. They're second right now to Dallas. Dallas is fake to me. Dallas, Dallas has so many things to figure out and so many changes from this past year that, that they're going to have to adjudicate. I, I just don't... I, I believe that, the, that Philadelphia may be more stable right now. And Jalen Hurts is more dynamic than Dak Prescott, I think, for a lot of reasons right now. You know, injury recovery, things like that. And they're not going small with, that, with those offensive weapons. They are going big, fast, physical players. Why can't this be the Bengals? why can't this just look and smell like the Bengals from last year where we started to get some inklings last year that they they were going to turn a corner. The quarterback looks like he has some real talent. I, you know, Jalen Hurts is not Joe Burrow, but in his own version, right? is Lamar Jackson type version, he could have one big, big year. And why can't it be this year? I'm in, I'm totally in on this. They need a cornerback or a, or a safety to really round out that secondary. And uh, hopefully they do some homework over the next couple of months to figure something out there. But, I think they're going to really smoke some teams in the NFC East, and, and I, I, I'm big on a sleeper with Jalen Hurts long term here.
1: Nice, I like I like that a lot. Wide open division, yeah. um, you know, Howie Roseman will probably add to that secondary, like you uh, said that they might.
0: Can can you can you answer the question I gave you? Can you rank Lamar, Kyler, and Jalen for me?
1: Uh, what's the criteria like from 2022 season?
0: Just. And, Um, and you can do it either via like success or just production if you want.
1: It's really hard to quantify. I actually like this question because they're so, they're so aligned, those three.
0: Actually, I'll give, I'll give it to you the way that I gave it to you before offline, which was if you're thinking fantasy, if, if those are the three best quarterbacks available and you need a quarterback with your next pick, which do you take?
1: I think Lamar is still the favorite okay. there just because of the insane rushing ceiling from a fantasy perspective. Um, honestly, I think they're all neck and neck with each other though. They're super similar players. Um, I mean, I would probably put Kyler third, mostly because of the situation the there with them. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and who knows what's going on there? Hopkins out for a couple games. games. Um, who knows if the Marquise Brown thing is going to translate um so yeah that one's a tough one for me mike
0: yeah it is really close and i think that's a that's a good thing it's I, i'm not crapping on any of those players by any means it's just kind of where the league is right now and one of those players at least one of those players is going to have a monster year just a monster year and it could be lamar maybe it is lamar maybe they figured some things out and that defense is really going to keep him in games there's no question so um pittsburgh they are making some movements you know they're they signed some smaller players. The quarterback situation is at least, you know, they've got options there now. That's really as good as I can say, right? But they just haven't addressed this offensive line. And I don't know why. There were plenty of options available. And maybe they just couldn't reel in any fish. It's just not a destination right now. And they're going to have to wait till next year to do that via draft free agency. It feels like this is a team that needs the year to kind of just kind of go through the motions. Is that incorrect? whether it's Trubisky or Kenny Pickett at the helm, you know, the defense is going to be good. There's, there's tons of players on that side of the ball. So they're going to be in games. I'm not saying this is going to be an 0 17 season, but we should have absolutely no expectations here. Correct.
1: Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um, the, I mean, the offense in theory could take off, but man, you're right on the the O line Just been seemingly awful for a, a couple years now right so yeah,
0: them and the bears just refuse to fix their, their their line they really do yeah
1: which is which is even more puzzling like i don't really have an issue with the Najee harry harris pick last year but like you can't make that pick when when you have no offensive line which was like i mean big ben was getting crushed for three years in that line so yep. i don't i don't really know what they were doing there otherwise i think the offense is very good um but the line, i mean I don't know, maybe a more mobile quarterback there back there will kind of cover up that hole, but yeah, I don't have a lot
0: of... <laughs> well, I think the funniest thing is that the best off-season acquisition they made for their offensive line, Dan, was James Daniels, the guard from the Bears. So, pff, <laughs> nice work, you know? Good player, yeah. but my God, coming from literally the bottom of the barrel there. So, uh, real quick, because I think one of the more fascinating things is... Pittsburgh does like to, to, to live via the trade and they seem to have a bit of a surplus at the wide receiver position, which is just their mantra. They always kind of breed and grow wide receivers and then don't pay them. Claypool had a weird year with Ben. Do you think they gave him a year to figure it out with one of the new quarterbacks and Deontay Johnson needs a, needs a contract and that's probably not going to happen. Are either of those two players in the trade block right now?
1: I think i I, Oh, go ahead.
0: I I forgot to mention they did um, add a huge weapon via draft in George Pickens, which could also push one of those players out.
1: I think Claypool's value is too low right now. I mean, Mm. he could have been, he could have been traded for probably quite a bit following the previous season. But um, I mean, theoretically, yes, I, I could see one of those guys getting traded. Um, Deontay would probably be my lean though, if that would
0: happen. Yeah, me too. I actually think that's coming. I'm starting to read some tea leaves out of Pittsburgh and uh, it sounds like the contract's not coming. And usually when that is set out loud, the trade request comes right after it. <laughs> so <laughs> there are certainly teams that could use a player like that. I think you like him a lot more than most people do. Uh, you've kind of been sleeping on him for three years. If he gets the right system, that's a very, very dynamic player, very dynamic player. So I, I think that's something yeah. to watch over the next couple of weeks there.
1: Yeah. The The main knock on him has been the drops. And I think that's been largely overblown,
0: but mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not a scout. <laughs> <laughs> the 49ers. The, the, the headline I have for this team is, is everything okay? Do we have any idea where this team's going to be September 1st?
1: No clue. No clue. I, I don't, they're just like meandering, right? I mean, have they, have they picked a
0: lane? No. And yet they're still like one of the favorites in the NFC. They're the second favorite in the division. Everybody's talking about like how this is, you know, Debo can't leave because he's going to be leaving a situation where he's thrived in. I think Debo's looking around saying, what the hell is happening? Get me out of here. You know, I mean, uh, the center, I think is going to retire tomorrow. The right guard has a crazy injury that may not be able to come back from Mike McGlinchey. I, I don't know. I, I, I know there's guys, you know, Bosa is going to get hundred million dollars here soon and he'll be there for the long haul. He's had an injury filled past. We we've heard nothing about Trey Lance, nothing. The last, the last we heard about Trey Lance, he was being benched for Jimmy Garoppolo and we've heard nothing since. So what is the hype?
1: I think the I think the quarterback handling has been the most egregious part of all this. I mean, if they're uh, let's separate this. If Jimmy, if Jimmy comes back on a third year of like, you know, this is it. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. For three straight years, his head's been on the chopping block. Last year, they addressed it, and you know, and they can't get Trey Lance in the lineup. Now they have an off season, and they're still that he's not going to be ready to start next year. So, I mean. Did they just want Mac Jones all along and got forced into Trey Lance? Is that totally. What last year?
0: Totally. There's no question in my mind. I can't wait for the 30 for 30. Somebody freaking make it.
1: The- Jeez. I, and and I have, I, I mean, in my dynasty leagues, I have invested in Trey Lance quite a bit because I thought it was an interesting profile. Uh, you know, they used the top three pick on the guy, yep. and a really exciting offense. I mean, what's not to like, but if either he is not good enough to get on the field or they can't prep him to get on the field, there's, there's an issue with that, with that.
0: And if you look around losses. at the weapons, I mean, they lost Mostert, they lost a bunch of, of guys to Miami, honestly, who left with the offensive coordinator. You know, Brandon Ayuk has not taken that step. So Debo's Debo, Debo, Kittle's going to be Kittle, but he's starting to break down a little bit physically as you might expect. I, I just don't look at this roster and say, man, they got a lot of pieces here. They have a couple guys. That's what they have, a couple of guys. And if and that means the quarterback has to outplay his coverage, you know what I mean? Like he's got to be bigger than the roster so that he can kind of make people around him better. There's no chance in hell that's what Trey Lance is right now. No chance. Otherwise we'd be hearing about a bolstered situation. We're hearing nothing, which makes me lead lead believe they have no idea where this is headed and Jimmy Garoppolo's injury better recover quickly because you know, if you look at the depth charts on most of these sites that we follow, it's still Garoppolo as the quarterback one. It's not Trey oh, Lance. It, so
1: yeah, it's, it's going to be. Yeah. And we, and we saw it, to your point there that it's just a bunch of guys and Jimmy didn't really elevate anyone. We saw Debo get hurt last year yeah. towards the end of the year before the playoffs and, and they stall.
0: Yeah. And stalled. Kittle too. Uh, exactly. Exactly. It's yeah, kind of a one, so. two, three man punch. And if anything goes wrong there, they're dead. So I, I'm just, and, I'm and just he, not high in I'm that's all.
1: And does that front office, like genuinely, does that front office know what they're doing either? I, I mean, even the Trey Sermon pick, they traded up for, for a running back, Trey Sermon last year. Yep. And then they, they don't put him on the field either. It's Elijah Mitchell when things go wrong. So I, Sermon I mean, is
0: fourth on the depth chart right now, Dan.
1: And people think he deserves it. It's not like it's a guy that just missed opportunities. Like, it's a really good, good
0: I point. I have, have they just been bad at, at this for the last five years? It's a really good point, Dan.
1: Yeah, so I don't know what they're doing there, which basically leads me to say no, I don't like this team and I don't I don't know what to expect.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. We uh we agree on that one. Seattle. I you've he- probably heard me talk about this team too much and I know you know where I live in this. Where do you live with the Seattle Seahawks? Let's just assume Baker's not coming through that door. Jimmy's not coming through that door. What's there right now is what's going to exist for 2022. How does that make you feel?
1: Not not good i i i don't i don't know what to do with this team like they this feels like the perfect opportunity to just start over but still have pete Carroll there still have john schneider there it's like
0: they didn't have can, to be I, there
1: i i know but are they just gonna literally rebuild the same team that we just saw Is they're, that what they're, they're gonna, gonna rebuild do? the
0: team they, that they had 10 years ago is what they're gonna do in my opinion this is going to be like a five running back system with three tight ends. And, like, I, I don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I understand Baltimore doing this because then you're covering up for a running back or for a quarterback who wants to, you know, post 1,200 rushing yards. That's not Drew Locke, <laughs> you know? So, and by the way, you got two of the better wide receiver options in all of football. And you're just going to, what, let them block for you in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? I don't get this one at all. And I I just, I, I think what you said originally is where my head is. This was the right time, especially with the division they're in to just rip back, like go all the way down and get one of these stud 2023 quarterbacks. And they may still get there by default. They may lose enough games to get to a point where Bryce young is a possibility. But I mean, this is not the right time. They did draft a left tackle. They did draft the right tackle. I like Kenneth Walker a lot, but you know, you brought back Rashad Penny, Chris Carson's status is up in the air. They have a couple of other options there. DJ Dallas has shown he can do it. Homer has shown he can play some ball for them. I, I just think they are so stuck in motion right now. And I think you agree with that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Please, please do not forget the Will Disley contract either.
0: My bad. And they're about to give DK <laughs> Metcalf hundred mil. Mark my words. It's gonna happen. And then he's gonna demand a trade by what? May 10th? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I get it. It's really hard. This has been a very good franchise for a long time. And even with Russell, you know, kind of slipping the past couple of years, it's really hard to go from consistently in contention to we gotta give up right now. And maybe that's just not a philosophy that the organization has, and I I give them credit for that. But in a league that allows you to do this, that literally has the rules set in place to say, if you are bad, you can get better through the draft tomorrow. We, we allow this to happen. There's a formula in place. And there's a guy like Bryce Young sitting there in that 2023 draft who looks and smells a lot like Russell Wilson's next in- incarnation. And they're just going to be middle of the road. Don't be middle of the road. Be the worst team in football. Do it. <laughs> be the worst team in football. And if they're keeping DK Metcalf to me is such the wrong decision, by the way. Oh, we have brutal. gone through three straight off seasons where there are 75 wide receivers available. Anywhere you look, you can trade for one, you can sign one via free agency. You can draft anyone in the first three rounds and they're going to be good players. It is such the wrong move to pay DK Metcalf right now. I cannot believe it's about to happen, but trust me, it's about to happen, Dan.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's good. It, it. They could trade him now for a haul. Exactly. Or they could let this marinate and he's gonna get upset and want out of there and OBJ they really have they have no leverage. Right. And and we just saw it play out in Mark with Marquise Brown in Baltimore to a certain degree. Like things are coming out now that it was Marquise Brown who wanted out of Baltimore and it was largely because of the Greg Roman offense that they run there and are gonna continue running there as he approaches a free agent year where he didn't think he'd get production. If DK is in a similar situation where it's Drew Locke throwing him coming into a contract, you know, if he doesn't get a contract, he's going to want out of there as well. So I I just, they'd be better. He's like a, could be a generational wide receiver, but Mm -hmm. they might be better off getting out now, taking what they can get before he gets upset. But maybe that's too, too narrative based.
0: Yeah. It's just uh, it's staring them in the face to be the worst team in football. And I know that they just probably refuse to be that team. Tampa Bay was headed there. Well, <laughs> Go ahead. Do you have more in Seattle?
1: No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I do like to your point, I know your previous pod, you had mentioned that, um, you think a lot of that is just the Jamal Adams picks, right? That they, they feel they can't take a step back because mm-hmm. they're so committed there. Is that right?
0: Yeah. And now they paid him because they had to pay him because of the, what they gave up to get them. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but,
1: so they're but, doubling down on their errors, but is what I'm hearing
0: trading Russell Wilson was the way to cover that up. You fixed your mistake. You got, the, you got trade compensation back. You were able to draft offensive linemen this year with those picks. They did, they did those things correct, in my opinion. I even think trading Russ was the right move. And when I heard them bringing back Drew Locke, I, I got on this microphone, Dan, immediately and said, yes, this is it. Like, <laughs> they're going to be awful. They are purposely going to tank this year for that 2023 draft class. And now the past two and a half months, they've just refused to do that refused. So I I just think that they're not that team. They're not that kind of organization. And I give them credit. Tanking should not be possible, but the league makes it possible. So they're in a position to be doing it. I thought the Buccaneers were going to be awful a month and a half ago, like really, really bad because of the free agents that were walking out the door. And because of the fact that, I don't know, Kyle Trask was going to be the quarterback, possibly. A lot has changed. They're huge NFC South favorites, minus 320. They're the number two Super Bowl favorite behind Buffalo, plus 750. So, obviously, the NFC champion favorites. Is this too much? Can this team really run it back again? Because they didn't get all the way to the finish line last year.
1: I I think they're a name at the top, in, the, in that bucket. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think they're quite as sexy as they were last year. But, um, I mean are you going to count Brady out? I, I hate to just
0: like <laughs> lean on that, but no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm right. not. So, and, and by the way, he's he's got all this ammunition now with this BS retirement crap and hating the media again. And all that he's got incentive. Let's put it that way. So does Rogers, but Brady's got a really good team around him. They bring back Fournette, They bring back Godwin. Uh, it's just a, it's a pretty good team. It's uh, certainly above average. I'm not sure it's the best team in the NFC. But I'm not counting Brady out, so I think it's it's that simple right now. The Titans uh, have put us on a roller coaster here. There was a point in time when I thought Tannehill was going to be out, and it was going to be like a Tannehill for Cousins straight-up trade just to get a change of scenery for those two players. In hindsight, I think that probably should have happened, but it didn't. Tannehill is there, and he's not restructured, meaning he has the highest cap hit right now in football. It's the highest cap hit in the history of football. And that's on purpose. That is because they don't want to push any dead cap down the line because they think that this is one and done for Ryan Tannehill. It already has been done for A.J. Brown. Robert Woods is in, sort of to replace, not really him, but, you know, get to bring some production onto the roster. They drafted Traylon Burks immediately with the A.J. Brown trade to kind of fill in that gap. And Derrick Henry is back for at least one more year. He's non-guaranteed this year and next year. Is this a... Is this an above average team? Mm.
1: Um not not currently, I don't think so.
0: Okay, so you're calling them average. They're the they're the second place odds for the AFC South, which we've talked about as being weak, but they're kind of right there with Indy, which is exactly where we were last year. Is that deserved? I think you and I both said Indy is undervalued right now. Does that mean we think Tennessee is overvalued?
1: I I agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, I, I mean, pretty simply, I just, I, I don't like offenses that rely on a running game, especially now that your your game manager quarterback is seemingly on the way out. I, I think there's too much in flux here that um, I don't like it as a whole, but I do have faith in Mike Brable. Um, who did not look happy after that AJ Brown. No, trade.
0: I don't think he consented. No. <laughs> oh man, he did not look happy. God, I loved, that. I loved that. I love that reaction. I'm yeah. going to yeah. use that meme every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, I live in a, in a different world than a lot of fans because of the, the nerdiness that I have to go through every day with these rosters. This has been an off season and this team is comprised, if you look at the multi-year View on spot track of the Tennessee Titans, you will see what I see in my head with this team, which is they have no confidence in themselves. None. If they overachieve this year, it'll simply be because a couple of things fell their way and maybe a couple of injuries happened elsewhere and they just kind of stormed through and pushed through and got themselves a couple of extra wins. They are set up for mediocrity this year and a huge turnover next year maybe not a rebuild, maybe not like a, we're changing everything. But I think major pieces are falling off this team next year. In in addition to what we've already seen this year in Julio Jones and AJ Brown. Right. So I I think that's how they're operating. They are operating as if this is a declining situation and they're just going to kind of get through this year financially and on the field. But then next year could be some real fireworks. Does Malik Willis play a snap in 2022?
1: Yes. Yes. He does. Oh, I think so for sure. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Okay, I think that's enough about that Espe-
1: Especially if they underwhelm it all. I mean, you have to think that they want to take. You know, they're they're not going to sit there and and lose with Ryan Tannehill if he's on his way out. That that's But I mean, if we want to like set an over under on game started at like I don't know six and a half, I I. I wow. I would probably I would probably take. Uh, I'm probably being too generous if if I want to say the over, but um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't see this going very well. I mean, Derek Henry's coming off like a pretty major injury. He's 30 years old, yep. like he's still, still dominant, but just I, a rookie number one wide receiver, like Robert Woods was a nice addition there. But man, I, I don't know. It just doesn't add up to success for me, but
0: I, I'm going to surprise you on this one. I believe If you handed me decent odds right now, which I think I would get, I'm not looking at the at Fanduel or anything like that. I'm taking over wins and over yards for Ryan Tannehill right now. Interesting. Despite everything we just said out loud, I still think there's a pretty easy way for this team to overachieve this year specifically, and that's why some of these moves they've made have happened. You know, Robert Woods, things like that, uh, bringing back Harold Landry. I think they're in in that camp, whereas. We just need a couple of things to bounce right. And we will be wildcard contenders. That's where I see them. I don't think the wheels have totally fallen off, even though there's been a ton of turmoil. And like this Tannehill mentorship bullshit. It's just stupid. It's stupid. You know what I mean? It like, is dumb. It is yeah. just off-season NFL. Nobody's gotten arrested lately. So this is what we're talking about. Let's be honest about what the NFL is right now. So it's dumb. It's just drama that doesn't need to be brought to the forefront. When you take that away is there anything really that bad with the Tennessee Titans? No, Tannehill had a down year. Okay, he's not an elite quarterback, but he's a good, pretty good game manager. You know, he's a four thousand yard player, and when he's got the right weapons, Julio Jones was hurt all freaking year. AJ Brown got hurt last year again. Derrick Henry missed nine weeks last year. Of course, that team's going to underachieve. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they are bounce back candidates for me, and I'm taking overs, slight overs on pretty much all in all regards. But again. This is a team in decline. So after 2022, I think it's ripped the bandit off with a lot of options. Let's go to Washington. Um, I, I'm going to promise myself I'm not going to kill Carson Wentz too much here. So I'm going to let you do it. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just going to say, can we please free Terry McLaurin? For the oh God. God. Uh, I just want to see the guy play with a quarterback, but maybe that's coming if he leaves town, uh, in free agency, but no, I mean, I think Carson Wentz. I think a little bit of it is overblown, but he's not a good quarterback, right? I mean, I just think he's the whipping boy for a lot of talking points. Um, somewhat deserved, somewhat not deserved. But um, that rookie year where he looked incredible was probably the big, biggest disservice he could have done himself because yeah. the the bar was set so high, and he's just underwhelmed ever since. So um, I don't think they're going to be terrible. I just nothing excites me about him joining that offense, right?
0: They're building as if they have a quarterback. Let's put it that way. Um, The defense is in place. They made the right move and moving on from Landon Collins, and they they added a a replacement to do that for him. Um, Curtis Samuel, if he's healthy, he's a dynamic weapon to go with the new kid, Dotson and McLaurin, as you mentioned. Logan Thomas has had a rebirth career. I mean, there's guys. They have three or four really young, small, fast running backs that should play well in this current football. There's guys all over the place. you know. They, they've kind of makeshift put together an offensive line that has worked out for them. That has not been a problem for them over the past couple of seasons. And the defensive line is maybe the best in all of football when you look at those names. So it's just been about this position. And I cannot believe that that's the guy they brought in for that position when they did, for what they did, at what price? I, I just can't believe it. Can, can you imagine? Can I put it this way? if you could have gotten Baker Mayfield for a seventh round pick at 6 million for this year, right now, today, do you think that they regret everything they've done?
1: I mean, do they regret? What I, I, done would, by... I would, I
0: would 10 out of 10. I'd prefer Baker Mayfield over Carson Wentz in this roster. Oh, yeah. right now.
1: I I totally agree. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to insert myself into their minds and I don't, I mean, they're probably delusional. They probably love that move and thought they won the off season. But yeah, I would take Baker over Carson at this point. I mean, you, you just know what you have in Wentz. I think there's a little bit more that yet to be seen in Baker, but could be wrong again.
0: It's just nuts. They 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 did this day one of the league year. Day one.
1: I know. I know. Yeah, and the Colts, I mean, like the Col the Colts were sitting there licking their wounds for for trading for, you know, Wentz in the first place and then they had. I mean, I know they didn't quite get the draft capital that um they gave up for him, but just to even get that contract off their books and move on to, you know, to be able to go get a Matt Ryan, I think they they were probably dancing, you know,
0: Dan, it was a second round swap this year, a third round pick this year and a third round pick next year. For Carson, Which, like, for $28 million of Carson Wentz, they then took right, those picks right. and acquired Matt Ryan.
1: Right. <laughs> I know. So the
0: answer to who won this trade is Indy before the season starts. The answer to who won this trade after the season is Indy. It doesn't even matter. It's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. It was reckless. It was way too early. Everybody was pumping up this quarterback carousel. They felt like they had to strike right away. You could have Baker Mayfield right now for a bag of peanuts at $6 million. That's what you could have right now. It's nuts. Bonkers.
1: I mean,. You got to prioritize Carson Wentz after he wets his pants and games in week 17, right? You got to <sighs> prioritize. that.
0: He's a talented season. quarterback. He just doesn't have the makeup for it. You know, he just doesn't have yeah. it. And this is a good roster around him. And he had a really good roster last year around him and a running game around him last year. And he was a pass away from being a, you know, a playoff quarterback, but I, I think they're stepping back right now. And, and if, if- and look, They're too good to tank Washington. So I'm not going to go in that regard. They already had too many pieces, too many core players in place and signed by the way. I mean, there's a lot of big contracts in this team. So I just think they picked the wrong guy. That's all. They just picked the wrong guy.
1: Agreed. Nothing, nothing more to pile on there.
0: Super Bowl picks. Let's do it.
1: Before the Uh, schedule
0: even comes out, Dan, let's do this. The favorites are bills Tampa. Yes or no.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like, the Bills have – I'm not one to to predict anything. I mean, we're not one to yeah. predict anything positive for the Buffalo Bills. But, man, I mean, the so, roster is just loaded up and down. But it's going to be
0: I, a lot of hype to carry for the next, what, 10 months, so, right?
1: Actually, let's talk about that because me and you have addressed this a little bit offline. Like, they, they – their roster is loaded. Mm-hmm. Continuity and – in most aspects of their roster and their coaching staff. But the one part is the Brian Dable departure um, now replaced by Ken Dorsey. So Ken Dorsey has been in Buffalo for the the last few years. So there probably will be some carryover, but you have to imagine there will be new parts of offense um, installed there. So does the Buffalo offense look like they have the last two years? I'm a little bit hesitant to commit and say totally yes. But, I mean, it's not like they're going to fall off a cliff by any means. So that's my main concern. Like, is the offense going to be the same? And does that translate to them being the you know the Super Bowl favorite right now? But, man, uh, they're in a good situation, a poor division, really good roster. Like, I, I, I'm not going to poke holes in that. Um, I,
0: I, I love this approach. Let's take this approach down the line here, okay? Bills changed their offensive coordinator, okay? Promoted from within. Buccaneers changed their head coach promoted from within, but left, which is still the guy with Brady, right? Did the Chiefs change right. anybody?
1: Um, Not that I know of, no. because Eric, the enemy can't get a job for some reason. So. And <laughs> and the, and
0: the Ram- same with the Rams, right? Status quo. Yep. Packers changed their OC, lost Hackett, promoted from within. Chargers are status quo, I believe. Maybe a couple of smaller guys like lost off there. 49ers who are the seventh favorite team for the Super Bowl, by the way, despite everything we just said out loud, lost their OC. Denver, new OC, or a uh, new coach, Nathaniel Hackett, right? Is it new everything there? It's got to be new mm. everything there. It's got to be.
1: Yeah, I'm actually not sure.
0: Dallas, for some reason, kept it all in place. Cleveland, they're next on this list. Believe their status quo, correct? Yeah, still still Stefanski. Bengals stayed in place. Ravens stayed in place despite Greg Roman's deficiencies. Those are your top 12 right there. So the, the top two teams, and rightfully so, this happens often, lost major pieces to their coaching staff. The next two teams didn't lose anybody. So you're talking about continuity. You know, the Rams have a ton of continuity all over that roster, maybe too much. The Chiefs, basically, we talked about Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew. Other than that, Everything's basically in place. The system knows exactly what it's gonna be. Does that does that favor your betting in any way?
1: Um, I mean I continuity is huge for me, especially in fantasy. Um
0: It bodes well for the should, Chargers, right?
1: Yeah, so I was gonna say, like not to not to jump here, if I'm not picking the Bills, I think the best value on the board is the Chargers. I mean, yeah. they have an elite young quarterback, a really great supporting cast, an exciting, um, uh, exciting on both sides of the ball, a promising coach that I think um, is solid. I think that's uh, the best, you know, bang for your buck in terms of these, these odds here. But yeah, I, I think the bills are just, they're going to be tough.
0: Good answer. Good stuff by you, man. Appreciate this.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Mike.
0: All right. My thanks again to cousin Dan, my thanks to the athletic, visit the athletic.com slash spot track, get yourself 40% off. And please visit dynasty com. Start your, financial fantasy football season right now. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotlight Podcast.